Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. If you want to participate in the, uh, uh, the angel tree, but you, um, you, know, you can't go shopping yourself, maybe you're limited in your ability to do that, she's happy to uh, work with you and do the shopping for you. So that's good. And then also want to let you guys know this coming Friday night um, is our upper room meeting. Um, that's a meeting that Sam, our drummer, hosts. And uh, our upper room meeting is an opportunity just for people to come together in sort of an informal environment and just sit at the feet of Jesus and seek his face together and see where the Holy Spirit leads. Now, Sam did tell me uh, to make sure you bring your Bibles this Friday night if you're planning to come. But I, I got to tell you, um, it's a tremendous time. It's a great opportunity when I get the opportunity and schedule allows and I'm able to participate in that. Um, I always leave refreshed. Uh, and, 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 and in particular, I always leave with a great sense of peace in my heart. So I would tell you that if you ever just need to unplug and get away and get out of life for a minute, these are great opportunities to do it. So this coming Friday, Sam, wave, wave your hand. If you need any information, Sam actually will, uh, will let you know. Sam's not Kevin. Sam, wave your hand. <laughs> uh, Sam, right there. If you, if you need any information about Upper Room, Sam will fill you in on that. And then also, uh, just want to remind you of our Wednesday evening services. Don't forget about those. I'm teaching on uh, the fact that it's the will of God for us to be feel, healed physically, and we can trust God for our physical healing. And then also, our youth group meets on Wednesday nights. I've noticed here lately, we got a lot of teens in here, so uh, if you can make the time to make it out on a Wednesday night, we got a good youth group and uh, learning good things there, so make sure you make it out for Wednesday nights. Okay, um, uh, how many of you know what I've been teaching on for the last 13 weeks? Hey, there you go, good job, and if you're new, then you just figured it out, right? Uh, I've been teaching on love, and so uh, I ended that series last week, and I'm going to start a new series that will carry us through the holidays, and how many can guess what I'm going to talk about? Love. I'm still going to teach on love. So I could have just made it one big series, I guess, but, you know, just for the fact that people's attention span wanes, I sort of uh, felt like, and, and, and to be honest with you, I'm doing this not because I can't think of anything else to teach about, uh, but really, as I've, I've prayed about this, the Lord dealt with me when I started the last uh, love series, and he said, I want you to teach on love, and I want you to teach on it until I tell you to quit. And he hadn't told me to quit yet. So uh, I, I, I don't, maybe well, there'll be another one behind this one, but I can tell you this one's probably going to be another 13 weeks on love. So, um, so if, you're, uh, if you're tired of love and you don't need to be loved and you don't want to love, well, there is a door that says EXIT right there and you're welcome to leave. But, but we're going to teach on love and, and I've titled this one, you know, um, so I will tell you this. Um, my wife, I love my wife, and she loves the holidays, and so our house is already decorated for Christmas. Anybody else is decorated for Christmas yet? You beat them all, honey, you did it. Um, but, you know, uh, so, I mean, we got the Christmas tree up. The only thing that's not up is my lazy rear end hadn't got out and hung the lights outside yet, and that probably won't happen yet. Uh, but that being said, um, you know, I'm sort of in the Christmas mindset already. Um, and so I just figured, you know, since this is going to carry us through the holidays, I figured I'd slap a title slide on this series that sort of relates to Christmas, although this is not a traditional Christmas message. We're just going to talk about God's gift of love. And so um, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 is going to be our foundational text. And so um, 
Let's read that together and then let's just pray and believe God for what he has for us this morning as I introduce this new subject. And it's really not a new subject, but it's a different look at it. Uh, and, I, and I believe, you know, as we are led by the Lord together uh, and work through this series that, you know, we'll continue to grow in the love he's called us to live in. Amen. And so 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 10 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this was, and in this, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or substitution for our sins. Let's pray. Father, I just come to you in the name of Jesus, and I just ask you to help me have clarity of thought and clarity of speech to say what it is the Holy Spirit would have me say this morning to the hearts of each person here. I know we come here with a lot of collective needs and different things, but I just pray that in your special way, you will just take the words and maneuver them in a way that they speak to the needs and the heart and the life of each person here so that we walk away from our service today saying, I'm better because I came to church today. I've grown to know my father better, and I've grown in my own life and taken steps forward. So I give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, um, uh, I don't know about you, but the last 13 weeks where we've been talking about love, um, I, I, you know, the first couple of messages I really shared way back when we started that, um, that, that series, it just struck me how radical it was the life that Jesus has called us to, um, how radically different it is than the world around us. And as we move through the series, we've probably all recognized areas where radical change was needed in us, right, to be able to walk in that kind of love. And, you know, uh, in, in some respects, we can, you know, fall short of that. And sometimes we can feel like, man, I'll never measure up. But, you know, I think what, what, what I want to talk about today is really um, the radical nature of that lifestyle and how we pull it off, right? How do you live at that level? How do you live in that selfless way? And Jesus, you know, he, he epitomized that radical way of life in Matthew chapter 5. It's, it's his great sermon um, that he preached. It was the center point of his ministry in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 44 and verse 48. Let's just see what Jesus said here about love and how different it was than the way people normally live. He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn, them, turn to them the other cheek also. <laughs> and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your father, your heavenly father is perfect. And so what we see here is a really radical way. As we, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, my heart is to follow Jesus. My heart is to live for him. But as I read those words, they're alarming. How many, how many of you, when you look at them, you're like, wow, man, that's just contrary, right? They're alarming, radical words that, that, that the master, Jesus, called us to live by. 
And, and so as I think about how radical those, those words are, we, we spent 13 weeks talking about how we live that life out and how we, uh, you, know, uh, you know, this is what it means and this is where we should not judge and this is where we should forgive and this is where we should be selfless and giving and this is where we shouldn't, we shouldn't make decisions that hurt. We talked about all of those things, but, you know, as, as we delve into this new series, really what I want to talk about is, you know, uh, how do we do that? How do we do that? Because I got to tell you, you know, the last two weeks of that message, there were two. There was a situation that popped up in my life that I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to walk in that love. I want to just literally grab that person's heart, rip it out, and eat it, and spit it back at them. I mean, that, that was that's how mad I was. Have you ever been that mad about something before? Can we just be real? And, and, and as I thought about that, I thought, God, man, I've got so far to go in this love that you've called me to. I've got so far to grow in, in, in being the, the love that you've called me to, to be. And as I thought about that, you know, I thought about how do we, how do I do a better job of that? And so I thought, if I got that question, maybe everybody else does. How do I grow in that love? And, and, and as I thought about it, I really thought about this last phrase in verse 48. He really led me to this last phrase in, in verse 48 of Matthew chapter 5. It says, be perfect, therefore as your Father is perfect. Now, you know, you can read that at a surface level, and you can think that means you just can never mess up. And that word perfect doesn't mean never mess up. It's actually a word that means be mature in displaying Christian character. So it means be mature. And he says, be mature in, in displaying, you know, God-like character as your father is perfect. But as I thought about that, I, I, I thought about really that phrase, be perfect. You know, he didn't tell us to do perfect. He said to be perfect. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, doing something and being something are two different things completely. Doing something is a manufactured system of acts that you do because they're in front of you and you need to do them. And you know, as we think about teaching on the love of God over the last 13 weeks, we could have looked at all of this like, I need to do the action of forgiveness. I need to do the action of selflessness. And, and certainly, we need to display those actions. But more than display those actions, we need to be those things. Being something is, the, is, really, is, is really you just exuding who you are exuding who you really are. That's why Paul said in this verse in Galatians chapter 2, he said that's the way he lived his life. He didn't live his life trying to do something. He didn't live his life trying to measure up to a standard or perform a bunch of do's and don'ts and, you know, forgive, don't forgive. He said, I'm going to be something. Notice what he says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 19. He says, for, though the law for, for through the law... For, for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. So what he said there is I died to the law. I died to the bunch. Of, I, I, I died to a life of having to do. <laughs> I died to a life of having to forgive. I died to a life of having to walk in love. I died to a life of trying to do those things. That's what he's saying. He says, why? Because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me Paul was saying I'm not going to do love I am going to be love I'm going to allow the epitome of love to live through me and as I contemplated that you know how many of you realize Jesus is alive he's real 
He is a real and living Savior. And if you say He lives in you, then here's the thing. You got two people living in you. You got you and you got Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, have you realized Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, so who really lives in you is the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is one with Jesus, so Jesus is living in you. Can you get that one? All right? So you've got two real, see, a lot of times I think we forget about that. We see ourselves as ourselves, and we, see, we look outside of ourselves, and we talk, even when we worship God, we're, we're worshiping outside of ourselves. And I'm not saying we're God, but what I'm saying is God lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And what Paul was saying is the life that I'm going to live is not a life of trying to walk in love because then love just becomes an action just like all the other laws were. No, he said, I'm going to be love. I'm going to lay down who I am and I'm going to let him live through me. And, and, and what we find to be true is this then, is if we're going to let, as I thought about that, I was struck with this thought then. Do people really know what Jesus is like? If you're going to let him live through, you're right. Do people really know the character and nature of God? Or is it possible that many of us could be embracing an image of God that is completely filled with religiosity or some other thing we've been taught that is not grounded in what the Bible says who he is? Do we really know who God is? And if that is the case... I believe if we don't, then that's why many people struggle at doing love instead of being love. Because they're trying to do something outside of themselves instead of yielding to the one who lives on the inside of them and allowing him to live through them. And it led me back to the words of Jesus there in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48 at the end of that great sermon. He said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Another way of saying that is, is be as your Father. Right? We could take the, because the Father is perfect, right? So we're doing no disservice to say, just be like God. So then, for us to love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived... We cannot just hear messages about here is how you love. We have to hear messages about also here is who God is. Because that God lives on the inside of you. And unless you allow that God to come out of you, you will not be able to do it consistently. You will fail miserably. Now, i got to tell you, as human beings, you're always going to fall short at times. Now, I believe we can live, I mean, we got the Holy Spirit. He says, be holy as I am holy, so if we yield to him all the time, then you can be holy, right? There are going to be times where you fall short, that's okay, but the reality is, is we don't need to strive to be holy, we just need to allow him to live through us. And, and, so, I, and so I wrote this in big bold letters, as a matter of fact, I wrote this in big bold letters because I believe the Holy Spirit said these, this phrase to my heart. This is what he said, he said, you will only love to the measure that you understand and know God. You will only love to the measure that you know and understand God. And that's not really a, a long journey away from what Scripture says, because 1 John, our opening text that we're using for the foundation of this series, says this, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God, and notice this, and knows God. Here's my question for you this morning. Have you really met the God of the universe? Have you met him? 
Has he shown up in your life? Because i got to tell you, he is real. Paul said, I didn't just preach with enticing words of man's wisdom. I preached in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. He said, there came moments in time where God demonstrated himself to you. So, so my question is this, have you had moments in your life where you truly have met him? Where his presence has touched you? It says, he who does not love God does, does not, he who does not love does not know God. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. See, a lot of people read that, well, I don't walk in love, so I must not be going to heaven. No, because it ain't whether you do or you don't to get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven? Trusting in Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice for your life and realizing I can't get there without him, all right? So he's not talking about, you know, you're not going to heaven. He's not talking about even that you're not a child of God. What he's saying is, is you don't know God. If you don't love, you may have heard messages on love. You may have heard messages on forgiveness. You may have heard messages on all of those things, but you haven't had an experience. You don't know him. You, you don't know who he really is. So this tells me two things. This tells me, first of all, for us to love like God loves, we must initially meet God. We must meet him first to experience his love. So that begs the question, have you ever really met the Father God, Right? John chapter 14, verse 6 through 7, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now notice this. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, for now, and from now on you know him and, he, and have seen him. So what Jesus said was, if you want to know God, the only way to get to know him is to come through me. So to initially meet the Father God, the creator of the universe, the one who designed us, the one who laid out a life and a plan for us, the one who has a destiny for each of us that is good and not bad, that's for blessing and not cursing. By the way, I'll say that to you this morning. Whoever you are, God's plan for your life is not a bad plan. It's a great plan, full of blessing. And the God of the universe that designed that, Jesus said, the only way to really know him is to come through me. So what that tells me is this, first of all, there is no other way to do it. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. There are not, and I got to tell you, our culture is filled with this young people. I will tell you, do not buy the lie that your, the culture tells us that there are many ways to get to God because there aren't. If there were, Jesus would be a liar. Nobody else staked this claim. No other religion, no other prophet, no other founder of a religion, all of them all point to Jesus, even in their religion, as a man who told the truth. Yet they digress from his truth to say that this is another way to get to him. But there is no other way. Let me tell you why there's no other way. Because every other religion is a system of how you live up to the perfection that God demands of all of us. We all have this knowing that we should live morally right. And all other religions, all other religions are a system of works. Through Jesus Christ, it is the only religion that says you don't have to be perfect to have a relationship with God. Because he was perfect and he hung on a cross and shed his blood as a sacrifice for your sins. And when you accept him, you accept his perfection and therefore you're accepted by God. That is the only way to get to God. You know, there are other things in our culture that don't even acknowledge religion. 
There are other ways to get to God. They don't, they don't call it religion. You know, I'm a nature freak, so I just, I just meet God through nature. There are other ones that talk about, you know, the universe is telling me this. You know, there's such a common, the universe is telling me. What do you mean the universe is telling you? God created the universe. It ain't a person. Nature may speak, but God created it. And all that is is just an excuse. I'm going to tell you right now, all of those other ways, whether it's, whether it's nature, whether it's drugs, it's all an excuse to just relieve yourself of the burden of your imperfection as a human being without God. It's an escape. It's turning a blind eye to the truth. But Jesus said, I am the way. There are not multiple ways. Only through Christ do we find forgiveness of our sins and a free, unearned relationship with God. Aren't you glad you don't got to earn it? Aren't you grateful that because of Jesus, he said, you can, have, you, can, you can be right with God just because I paid a price for you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 says, for through him, through who? Through Jesus. For through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. See there, it says it again. The only way you access the Father is through a relationship with Jesus. Jesus made a way for us to initially engage with the love of the Father. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9 says, this is love. This is the love of God. This, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. We find a relationship with God and we live through him. And so the only way that we initially grow to know God is by initially accepting Jesus and we meet him in that moment. I would tell you, if you haven't had that moment, you have the opportunity to do that this morning. You have the opportunity. Listen, I'm not talking about just joining a church. I'm not talking about going through the ritual of saying a sinner's prayer. I'm talking about you have an opportunity to open your heart up to God and say, I accept Jesus because I want to meet the God that created all of this. I want the creator of it all to come into my life and introduce himself to me. You have an opportunity to do that. But then notice the pathway to meet God was, came with something else. Notice what it says there at the end of the verse. It says, so that we might live. Everybody say live. Through him. That word live is the word zoe. That's, uh, you know, if you, you're around here much, it's a Greek word, zoe. And that word zoe means this. It means to live or experience God's gift of life. To experience life that God created us to experience. See, as I said before, God created every one of us and he destined none of us to be failures, none of us to be abandoned, nothing of us to be hurt, but we live on a planet that causes that sometimes in our lives, right? But God created us to experience joy and happiness and peace and blessing. And what this verse says is, it says the way we experience that is through him. That's a radical statement, right? It's back to what Jesus said. It's not by choosing to do what he said to do, but it's allowing him to live through you. It's choosing to allow his nature and his character to live through us. We're initially introduced to God so that we can begin to experience a completely different reality than, than we would have without meeting him. But the key phrase is through him. You can only experience the life God wants you to experience. And I can tell you, his plan for you is better than any plan you can conjure up for yourself because he's your creator and he knows. You can only experience that 
from allowing the person of Jesus and the Father to live through us. Which leads me to that second thing and really where I want to hone in and sort of set the stage for this entire series. We must not only initially meet God, but we must grow in our knowledge of who he is to truly allow his love and life to be experienced. We must grow in the knowledge of who he is. If we don't have a proper understanding of who God is, then we'll never love like he loves. We'll never walk the paths he's designed for us to walk. And we'll never enter into the fullness of what he has for us. We'll miss out on enjoying life to the magnitude that he wants us to enjoy it. Which takes me back to our opening text, 1 John 4, verse 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Who do, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For us to live out what we've been taught, we have to know God. So, who is God? And what is he like? Who is he? Who is God? You know, I think sometimes we may have an image of who we think God is. And often that's influenced by our experience. Sometimes it's influenced by uh, sincere teaching that may not be completely biblically based. And it warps our opinion of who he is. So, so what is, who is God and what is this love he's called us to? Well, notice what it says there. Here's, it tells us right there at the end of this verse, for God is love. Everybody say God is love. That word love is agape, very similar to the name, for the, that's the name of the agape center, right? But agape is a different kind of love than what, and we talked about this in the previous series as well, you know, there is different kinds of love. There's a friendship kind of love, that's a different Greek word. There's a sexual kind of love, that's a different kind of love. There's an emotional kind of love. But this love is different. This is agape. This is love that stems from the heart of the Father. It says that God is the embodiment of this word love. He is love. And so for the last 13 weeks, you know, that's a big subject to say, you know, have you realized God is love is a very small phrase, but a very big subject, right? And so what we've really looked at for the first 13 weeks, led by the Spirit to do so, was what does that love look like and how do we manifest that love in our lives? How do we live it out? How do we show it to others, right? But as I thought more and more about this, I think the Lord just sort of led me back to this theme that, that it's great to know what it is we should do, and that's been impactful. It was, it was, it was t the timing was perfect for the Spirit of God to teach that to us when it was taught. But for that to manifest, for that love that now we know sort of have a picture that love is forgiving, it's kind, it's, self, it's not self-serving, it's not selfish, it won't hurt anybody. For that to manifest through us, we have to gain a greater picture of who the God is that lives within us. Why? Because if we don't, right, there'll always be this question of, well, maybe love in this instance is not that. So who is God and what is love? So today what I want to do is I just want to introduce the text that I'll be digging into for the next couple of months to help us. I'm going to do my best, right? That's a, that's a big thing for any man to say, and I understand that, right? I'm going to do my best to show you who God is. And I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit to help me, right? But, but over the next 13 weeks, we're going to dig into 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8. It says, this is what it says. Notice it says, God is love, and this is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It does not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Notice in these verses we have the definition, probably the best, most clear definition we can find of love. But I got to tell you, most often when we read this verse, you know, you hear it a lot of time at weddings. I do weddings, and it's probably 90% of the time that verse is used in the weddings I do. Why? Because it talks about what love is, and that's how the husband should treat the wife, and the wife should treat the, right? That, that, those are good descriptions of love. I think so many times when we read the scriptures, we read the scriptures in, in a wrong way. We read them in a manner of reading them as to what I should do. But oftentimes the scriptures, I believe, more often should be read in, in a mindset of who is God? Who is he? Right? Because the scripture teaches me as I know him, I will be like him. And so I would say this many times when we read this verse, we often read it. Love is patient, so I need to be patient. How many of you when we read it, that actually that, that hit your mind, right? But I don't think we'd be doing a disservice to read it this way. I just want to read it to you. Matter of fact, if they, you might have copied it and put it up on the slide. If God is love, then those verses of scripture are a definition of who God is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. Boy, I sense his presence moving in the room even now as I read it. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. What a beautiful picture of who God is. You know, there are other places in Scripture that define Him as other things. But I would tell you this, that as I study the Scriptures and I see the, the canon of Scriptures, what I see is this, that every picture we have of God must be interpreted through the crucible and lens of these verses. Oftentimes people talk about a God of judgment or God of holiness and, and, and he, is he is holy and, he, and he, he will judge the world one day. But all of that must be interpreted in the light of this being the picture of who he is. And throughout this series we're going to dig into each one of these characteristics of love. Spend a little time on them to understand that is my father. That is the God that I serve. Amen? Musicians, as you're coming, First John, I, I, and my goal is this, as they're coming. This is my hope, this is my goal, and as you know, is, is that as we teach on this tremendous gift of God himself to us, as we learn of the different aspects of what it means for him to be love, I pray that we will be just overwhelmed, even in this holiday season, of the tremendous, unbelievable, unfathomable gift that he gave us in giving us Jesus and himself, in essence. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love. Well, what manner of love? The manner of that love was the gift of himself. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
See, we've been given a tremendous gift of love when we were offered a relationship with God. We were not given a judge. We were not given a tyrant. We were not given a dictator. We were not given a condemner of our sins. We were not given a distant, all-powerful God as many of us see Him. We were, not, we were not given a holy God that can't be approached. We were given God Himself, a God of love. You know, oftentimes I think when we think about God the Father, we sort of separate the two, Jesus and God the Father, right? And it's easy to wear around a little armband that says, what would Jesus do? Why? Because we see love personified in what he did as he walked the earth. But for some strange reason, I think what happens in the heart of a lot of us, or at least it does in me, is I sort of separate Jesus from God as if God is something more all-powerful, more distant, more, more awesome, something that I need to sort of see differently. The far, and I, In my own self, I catch myself perceiving the God of all creation is something different. Yes, they're two distinct persons, but Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, it's seen me, you've seen the Father. Do we see God truly as a God of love, or do we see him as a judge at times? Do we see him as a condemner, a dictator, one that demands that we bend our knee to him, or he's going to rain lightning bolts out of heaven on us? We were given the gift of love in the person of God the Father through the Holy Spirit in Jesus. And notice verse 2 what it says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, when he shall appear, everybody say he shall appear. Well, you could take that two ways. How many of you realize there's coming a day when he's going to split the sky and he's going to call us all home? And we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be like him. Man, I'm looking forward to that day. That's going to be a great day. But Jesus also said, if two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. See, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he, as he is. I believe, and I'm trusting God. As I sat on that back hill, I was, you know, I, I, every, I, I sort of pull my truck up on the back hill and I pray before the service. As I was praying before the service, I just really sensed in my heart that as we teach this and as we move through this, if we'll believe for this, we will have appearings of God in our midst. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about you see something. I'm just saying the presence of God will appear in our midst and there will be a tangible experience of that is the God that I serve. A God of love. Amen? So, so I'm just laying the foundation today. Commit yourself to this, that over the next 13 weeks, I am going to discover a clear picture of this God of love. And as I discover that, I'm going to know him for who he really is. And in knowing him for who he really is, I then am in a great position to be able to say, live through me. Not I, but Christ. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. I believe God has me teaching this next 13 weeks because he wants to do exactly what verse 10 says. He wants to love us. We've spent a good 13 weeks learning of how we can live out love. Important. But I believe what I felt the Father saying was, I love these people and I want them to know who I am, the fullness of me as a loving God. Not a judger, not a condemner, but a loving God who's always for them, never against them, will never fail them, will never forsake them. That's the God that He is, a God of love. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, I've done my best to share my heart this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit has taken these words and used them the way they needed to be used in the lives of the hearers. Oh God, I pray that you would do what you do in people's hearts and lives this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus. You know, as I talked about, do you, have you really met God? You may say, well, I've never had a real encounter with him, but I've, I've accepted Jesus. Well, then by faith, you need to understand that when you accepted Jesus, he came into your heart and life. But if you've never made that choice before, you've never had as an adult a heartfelt decision that said, yes, or as a young person, yes, I want to open my heart to allow him to live through me. And I want to accept his forgiveness. If that's you, you've never done that. Would you raise your hand and say, yes, pastor, I want to make that choice this morning. I want to meet the God of the universe through accepting the person of Jesus and what he did for me. Anyone at all, just going to wait a moment. Don't miss your chance if that happens to be you this morning. We're not here to single you out, but we certainly want to give you the opportunity to meet the God that loves you so much. Anyone at all. Okay then I believe we're all believers. Then, Father, I pray that as we take a moment to let these words soak down into our heart, let the essence of what the Holy Spirit was trying to teach us this morning soak into us as we take just a moment to worship together before we close as a church family that you would make yourself real to us. That we would encounter the God of heaven. I thank you for it, Father. We just bless you. We thank you so much that you are love. Help us push out all the other things that would diminish just how much you love us. That we would never see you as a condemner or a harsh judge. That we'd never see you as a distant, mighty God that we can't approach. That we never see you as a holy God that is unattainable to. That we would see you as a God of love. Thank you, Father, for helping us as we move through this series. Just grow in that understanding. Biblically and soundly, not unbalanced. I give you praise and thanks for helping us do that. And that we'll walk away from this with a greater knowledge of who lives in us. So that we can be love and not just do love. I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God's a good God, amen? He is a God of love. 
Always remember that, that he loves you. Amen? If you have a need this morning that you didn't have prayed for, that you'd like someone to agree with you in prayer about, we have prayer partners. If you guys could go ahead and just make your way to the front, they'll be standing right up front here. You can go see them. They'll agree with you in prayer. They'll be praying for you and believe God for answers. Amen. Amen. But let me pray a special prayer over you before you leave, and then we'll just expect a great week for everybody. Father, thank you so much for each person here. Thank you that you love them. Thank you that you care about them, that you have written them in the palm of your hand. Before they were ever a blink in their parents' eyes, you thought about them and knew them and designed that they'd be here this day so that they could experience your love and grow in it and enjoy the great life you have for them. So I pray your blessing over them. I pray, Lord God, that your hand of blessing would rest upon them, that they'd be blessed coming in, blessed going out above and not beneath the head and not the tail, that whatever they put their hand to prospers. Thank you that you give angels charge over them to keep them safe and protected from harm, that no pestilence or disease shall come nigh thy dwell their dwellings, and you'll bear them up to protect them from harm. I give you praise and thanks for that. Thank you for bringing them back to worship with us again. Over the course of this week, I thank you for them touching lives and being a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a great Sunday. We love you, and we'll see you Wednesday or Sunday. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.